You're about to listen to the amazing Trek Off podcast, but did you know there's also an amazing Trek Off movie in production right now? Watch the trailer at trekoffmovie.com. That's trekoffmovie.com. Also, if you want to hear over 100 hours of Trek Off, you can find that at trekoffpodcast.com or search Trek Off in your iTunes or your pod feed or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Search for Trek Off. Finally, you can find lots more podcasts at Geeks Radio, the home of Trek Off podcast. Who Garrett and RJ go to Hollywood Ninjas versus you all at geeksradio.com. Now enjoy Trek Off. Warning the following podcast has plot spoilers and naughty language, so listener discretion is advised. It's time for Trek Off Enterprise Double D's. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin, and my name's Alexia, and to whiskey. <laughs> to whiskey, because that's what I'm having. Uh, today, I'm eating a burrito and that I made by whiskey. myself. Going. I made myself some. He's so, so gone, you guys. This will be one of those episodes, okay? Years ago, when we were making Ninjas vs. Vampires, uh, Kel- uh, uh, sorry, M- Mrs. J's um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um, brother came to live with us, and he, like, she lived, uh, she grew up in, like, upstate New York, and, and like never had tortillas in her house, like ever. Didn't ever? exist. No, she had bread. She so do bread and butter, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I grew up in like like I grew up Southern California and Arizona until I was like thirteen. So I grew up um, with tortillas and bread constantly in my house. Um, and so when her brother came, I was like, "Yeah, you can totally like make a meal in thirty seconds for yourself." He's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Here, tortilla." Refried bean, blah, blah, blah. Cheese, blah, blah, blah. You microwave it. You throw on salsa or jalapenos or whatever you want. Boom. 30 seconds, and it's kind of a really delicious little meal you can make for yourself. And he was just blown away. He was like, holy shit. <laughs> Seriously? He's like, I was like, yeah, you can do that. It's totally an option. And so, um, but I mine is fancy. I used to get, like, regular refried beans, but now they're refried black beans. And I used to just get, like, Taco Bell sauce, and now it's like I got jalapenos and stuff in it. You can get Taco Bell sauce in the bottle now. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same, he says. It's not, not the same. The same. Nope. And, not. and what they need to bottle is the red sauce they put on bean burritos, not the, the sauce, sauce that comes in the packet. That's, That's what I want. That's yeah. like, I don't I, want any of that stuff. I don't want any of those sauces. I just want meat and cheese. Like, what's wrong with y'all's taste buds? Like, you just, you just seriously, like, you just have to assault it with a gajillion tastes to get well, anywhere. I, I grew up on it, so... Um... Nom, nom, nom. Here's the thing, though, about Taco Bell. Have you tried their breakfast? No, he's so excited that, like, when we when we were helping you no, the other no, day, no. like, Mrs. J brought it up, and he was like, what? I'm totally excited, but it's not good. So I think, well, I don't know if it's good, because I think maybe I can't do Taco Bell anymore. Yeah? My whole life, I've done Taco Bell, since I was, like, like, like when I was two, there was a Taco Bell within walking distance of where I lived. I could wow. walk out of my house and walk to Taco Bell. Um, there was always a Taco Bell there. My first Mountain Dew at that Taco Bell. <laughs> so, now, granted, there was also Del Taco, and anyone who's in the West Coast knows Del Taco because Del Taco is way better than Taco Bell. But there was a Taco Bell there, and I like Taco Bell. And Taco Bell bean burritos I love. I grew up on it all through college, all through high school. It was like a delicacy almost. I liked it that much. I could have it, have it every day. When I worked at Montgomery Mall in... Um, in Rockville, when I was uh, when I was in high school, I worked in a movie theater, and on my 30-minute break, I would go up 
I would buy my 99 cent bean burrito and my 79 cent uh my 79 cent taco, take my $2 lunch, bring it downstairs, have free soda from the movie theater and sit down and watch like movies like 20 minutes at a time. I timed them out so over the course of four shifts I could watch a whole movie. Um uh <laughs> So I watched like the bot and movies I'd never see in the theater otherwise, like The Bodyguard and The Adventures of Huck Finn and stuff. The you Bodyguard's know? a good movie. It is a good movie, but I never would have seen it like it, at the time. Like you never would have purchased tickets to see it in a movie theater. Yeah, no, it was a grow. It was a grown-up movie. It was a movie for yeah. grown-up. It wasn't for you know me. Um, yes. Or for girls, it just wasn't you know yeah, there weren't girls there weren't, more there weren't explosions in it. There uh, were no explosions. Um, ex- ex- except unless you, you know, count my explosions when Kevin the Cross was being hot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I I lived on Taco Bell, and even um when I used to live in Virginia, I'd go to Taco Bell pretty frequently, and then I kind of stopped because there wasn't a Taco Bell nearby. Um. So the other day, I had cause to go to a Taco Bell again, and I ate it, and it tasted okay. I didn't love it, but then I felt like this rock in my stomach for like two, three hours afterward. And on the flip side of this, there's this really great Mexican place near where I live that has really fresh, awesome-tasting Mexican food. And, and I think that maybe I just can't do the Taco Bell thing. So I did the breakfast, and it tasted okay. Um, but again, for an hour and a half afterward, I just felt like I'd swallowed a brick. Yikes. Yeah, I feel like I, you know, have gotten away from eating, like, McDonald's and Taco Bell and stuff like that. So, like, now when I go, like, I mean, pretty much any time I eat out, period. Like, even if it's at a restaurant, I'm like, oh, I feel terrible. Like, and I'm like, why did I do that? I didn't want that. Like, I don't know anyway. if it's chemicals or what. I know that I should have an organic restaurant. An orgasmic restaurant. Orgasmic restaurant. It'd be incredible. You know that would be. They don't have that anymore. There used to be an American cafe, and that was my orgasmic restaurant. What? What is an American cafe? I, I mean, it it was sort of like a a fusion of Italian and like um, you know sort of traditional like American burger American fare or whatever. But cafe. but there they had a dish. It was called a smoked chicken pasta pie, and this it was. Heaven sent, man. Oh, my Lord. Like, it has everything in it that I like. It has cheese and pasta and just gooey, nummy goodness and mushrooms and and red peppers and, like, creamy Alfredo. I mean, like... I love that Mr. A is feeding you the recipe. That's amazing. Because, like, he... One of our first dates, actually, was at an American cafe, and I had been... When we first started dating, I had had a, I'd come out of a really bad relationship, so like it was really easy to like diet and and like get fit in the interim because like I was all depressed right over my breakup. I was all emo, so like I was like I don't care about food. It doesn't even taste. So like I just I've literally been like subsisting on like little baggies of like chicken for like five or six months when we like started dating. So we go to the American cafe and I'm eating the smoked chicken pasta pie and I'm literally like moaning and groaning orgasmically with every bite, like unconsciously, like I don't even know I'm doing this. And he's just like mesmerized by it. Like L- Later on yeah. you found out it didn't come served with creamy Alfredo sauce. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. I just added to it, you know, um, the creamier Alfredo sauce. Well, I would love to non sequitur as we normally do, but we have a hell of a lot to get through today because today... Mm-hmm. We are, after a long break from this series, 
going to be exploring Season 3 of Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, where are you on your rewatch of Star Trek with Mr. A? I think we're on um, the episode... I'm trying to... Th I don't know what... I think it's, it's either Season 3 or 4. I think it's 4, though, where Jordy is... Um, like him and this other girl and this other dude were like a part of a way team and a way team. Oh yeah, yeah, with the blue, the blue neon. With the, yeah, where they all are disappearing and they don't know why, and it's because they're changing into these you know weird creatures that you know turning into these weird alien creatures. I think. Right. Like, but we didn't get through it all. Like we got. It's not a great episode. Three quarters of the way through it. It's not that good. I mean. I don't know. Okay. I think at the time I we had been we were watching uh like Farscape as well and maybe even um before we started Farscape, I think. Maybe even the original series. But we'd been watching something so it was like a part of a whole theme of like several shows we watched where like the like there was some kind of a I guess viral infection going on. So like we didn't get through that episode, and I, you know, we went to sleep or whatever because he had to wake up. Sci-fi herpes. And then, and then that's what I like. I had these like bad dreams about like creepy space viruses. So like I was like, we need to just like pause on this shit for right now because I can't do that. I just need a break because it's making me weird, the you know, weird dream shit, and I'm not having it. Nope. So I don't know that it's a bad episode. Um, I think it's episode. interesting because you get to see, you know, Jordy, you know, how he used to be, kind of, you know, and interacting with this, you know, other person, you know, from his past. And I kind of like that sort of stuff. Like I, I think it would be fun to take all the next-gen episodes and rate them from worst to best so that you couldn't just go five stars for everything or just, you know, <laughs> five stars and then one star, <laughs> like, for the bad ones. But to go, you know, we definitively have to say this one's better than that one. Because I think that would be the bottom of the list. I think there's so much better things to watch. But we'll I mean, find I, I certainly don't think it's one of the best episodes of like it's not the one I'd be like, you know, what's a great episode? That would, like it's not. It's certainly not what leaps to mind. You know what I mean? I will say that. But well, I didn't. We, I don't think it's bad. You and I are t are different about these things. You know what I mean? Like, as long as it's not poopy, I no, pretty much like not, it. Well, the thing about this section of track that we're gonna get get into is we're following up the uh, the not very good season one of Star Trek The Next Generation and the the very hit and miss season two. There's some shit in season two. Shades of Grey, season two ended with crap of just a, a rerun episode where we did flashbacks. Oh, um, yeah, fucking bullshit. And all, and all, the, do <laughs> and all the Dr. Pulaski stuff. And, oh, know, yeah, because she just sucks. Like, And it's not even necessarily her fault. Like, we just Nobody likes her. Like, but we also get the introduction to the Borg and Measure of a Man in season two as well. So there's some really high points of season two. Yeah. Um, as season three starts, one, Dr. Pulaski is gone. And they're like, sorry. Sorry, Gates McFadden, didn't mean to fire you. Come on back. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then. Can, you just, can we pause for a moment and think about what that, how great that must have been for her, though? Yeah, like, like we need you like back. How here. redeeming is that? Like when they treat you like, yeah, we don't really need you, and and then and, and being an actor, like that shit hurts. You know what I mean? Like you take so much rejection. And you were on Star Trek. I mean, you were on. Yeah, like you know, here you are. You've made it. You know, like you're getting a steady paycheck. You've, you know what I mean? Like you're getting some recognition. Like you're, 
you're being successful, and then they're like, eh, we don't really need you. Like, um, ouch! You know what I mean? So, like, having them have to come back and be like, so, about that. And um, even a bigger change this season, <laughs> and I think this is the season where where if you're just flipping around and what you would do before you could watch it on Netflix, if Star Trek was on, tell me if you did this. You'd flip on Next Generation, you'd see what was playing, and you'd look to see whether or not the uniforms had collars or not. Um, because <laughs> in Season 1 and Season 2, they just got, like, the T-shirt neck, and you know, okay, those are the not-as-good seasons. And then starting in Season 3, they get the collars and the two-piece jumpsuits, and you're like, oh, now, here, now oh, it's They're getting good. serious now. Now, yeah. now it's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, that well, you can always said, tell when the uniform, you know, kicks up a notch. It's like, see that? The shit was starting to work, and they were yeah. like, we got money. We're going to get some new uniforms. We're going to fucking do this shit. Well, we are starting off with uh, episode number 301, first episode of the third season, directed by Winrick Colby, teleplay by Michael Piller, a story by Michael Piller and Michael Wagner, original air date September 25th, 1989. It is the opus known as Evolution. A group of nanites unleashed by Wesley attacks the life support systems, forcing the crew to fight them to survive. <sighs> yeah. Um... A bad episode um, that's got so much good in it. The return of, of Beverly, the new episode, the, the new costumes, the fact the show clearly, like, had found, like, the way it's shot is in the way that the show ends up being shot for the rest of it. But, man, oh, man, to start off with a, with a Wesley science project goes crazy. Like, really? Like... <laughs> This season is going to reach... mundane in space for you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, listen it's, to what you're complaining about, just for the, like, just for a moment. Like. Well, I mean, I mean, so, so here's the thing. Like, I guess, I guess at this point they had not had two parters, um, so the concept of a season premiere had not really hit them. This season will will end, of course, in one of the biggest two parters ever, and Star Trek will kind of from then on, for the most part, end in some kind of cliffhanger that right. you got to resolve. With the next one. So, like, you're um, really anticipating that season yeah. opener, like, holy shit, holy shit, but... But this this should have been, like, episode, like, like three or four. Like, this is not, like... What, like, what should it open with? Like, what? I don't know, something where they go, bam, fuck, we're well, back, we fuck continue, you. As we continue through season three, like, I want you to be thinking about it in the back of your mind and be like, this definitively should have been the, the episode first, that they the started The first with. episode we hit that should have been the first one, fine. Wesley and nanites, and we're starting with Wesley and fucking nanites. <coughs> Fuck you. No. <laughs> Fuck you. No. <laughs> Wesley can nanites. He can shove them up his dick hole, right? <laughs> Let me put it this way: if not a terrible episode, because I don't think anything in season three is really terrible, not a big boom, we're back episode. This does not. It's amazing the show increased such viewership, but I guess at the time it was so ahead of what anybody had ever seen Star Trek do before. They're like, fuck, the production value is really good. You can do anything and it'll be awesome. So, <laughs> I am, look, it, it worked out for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really easy for you to be like, really? This is what they went with? Like, clearly it served them just fine. The whole yeah, they were not thing. canceled the next episode. No, they were not. Do you have any other thoughts about this episode or can we just move on? We can move on. All right. um, uh, by the way, everything that I'm reading today is... Um, is brought to us by trektoday.com. Trektoday.com, uh, which is one of the best informational sites about Trek that has episode guides that I am blatantly just reading from. <clears throat> <laughs> um, 
Uh, episode 302, the second episode of the third season, original air date October 2nd, 1989. Um, uh, this is written by Melinda M. Snodgrass, directed by Cliff Bull. Um, this uh, episode is The Ensigns of Command. Data struggles to save a colony that's been marked for death by aliens if the humans fail to evacuate. Yet another Data, again, it's going to happen a lot, and they all blend together for me. Data finds some colony that he really cares about. And <laughs> finds some little them. patch of humans that he cares about. <laughs> there's going to be pen pals coming up. That's yeah, going to be one. that one too. And then there's going to be uh, there's going to be the one where Data loses his memory and he's stuck on a colony and has to destroy. The, you know, it's just like, listen. Um, <laughs> uh, I, Data I guess, wants to be human, and sometimes he falls in love with pet humans. <laughs> yeah, and with, with, with <laughs> that's how it seems. Um, it's clear that that's how you see it. <laughs> um, again, I don't know if this is my first one either. No, this wouldn't. I got it. Um. So, so two episodes in, they still haven't haven't opened with what Justin thinks they should have. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you an honest question. Do you remember? Do you know what episode this is? I'm talking about. I mean, you watched it. Recently, <laughs> like you no. watch, you're in the middle of season three, and you're like, I know. I'm in the middle of season four. But I'm like, is it? Is this the one where Data destroys the aqueduct? I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one it is. Is it? Is it the one where he destroys the aqueduct? I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of the ones where data, where, where data goes down to a colony and has to explain to them, hey, hey you, you need can't to go. Stay here. Yeah, yeah, this is dangerous. And they're like, we don't believe you, robot. And he's like, oh, no. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, yeah. It's like the template. Like, so did they have, like, certain templates when they I, were I'm sure the they show? Did. And I'm it sure was they like, <laughs> we don't believe you, robot. Here's the thing about this episode. Here's the thing about this episode and every episode like it. It's good. It's fine. It's certainly better than Wesley Nanite, Wesley Science Project. Oh, so this is better than Wesley Nanites. It's, yeah, it's not bad. It's just, and maybe it wouldn't have seemed so generic if maybe this was the first of them. Maybe this one when yeah, they did I was it. Yeah, like, maybe this is the first time that happened. Like, like, I don't remember. They're like, "Fuck, this is great. Let's do it a hundred more times." <laughs> they don't do it a hundred times. Wait, Listen, in Star Trek, two things has to happen. One, Data has to find a colony, and two, Archer needs to get captured and put in jail. Stop. As long as we do this, just those things repeatedly, <laughs> we'll be fine. Stop. Everything, everything. <laughs> everything Cisco, will be just great. Cisco will start yelling. Cisco will be crazy. You know, and, 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 and Janeway and Seven will yell at each other and have a problem. Be bitchy. You know, Kirk will we'll have fight a, in a mud pit. It'll be It'll great. Be amazing. It'll and be Kirk will like you know cheer on with a bitch on his side from, yeah. <laughs> from the side. Old, old Kirk will talk about getting old. Blah blah blah. <laughs> old Kirk will talk about getting old. <laughs> young Kirk will be busy fucking a green chick. I know. There we go. And running and running when they don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason that you are still alive is because I am allowing it. So shut your mouth. Stop. Be nice to Chris Pine. I like Chris. I think he's really good. He's not having the great greatest career. It's not working out for him. Really? Um, well, it's just like it's the Jack Ryan thing didn't really hit. You know that like it's like he's just not doing it, and I and, and it bumps me out because I wonder if he might just be. Like too much of like a low rent Bradley Cooper. Like I wonder if he's just like like out at the wrong time. Like is he the next Matt Damon or is he the next Bradley Cooper? I think that that he's just a good solid actor that like in the in like in the early nineties might have become like a big star. And I and I fear for him that like he's not quirky enough to be Bradley Cooper and he's not kind of like 
like he's not as he's good. He's not as intense Matt Damon. enough to be Matt Damon. What? And, and, yeah, and, and whatever it is, he's falling right like right through no, the crowd. Where it, feels, it feels like Hollywood's trying to figure out what to fucking do with him, right? And 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 it has nothing to do with his talent. Or That's his a mind. problem with Hollywood, though. Like I don't think it's a problem with Chris Pine. Well, it's, it's 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 a problem for Chris Pine. It is a it is a problem for Chris Pine. Agreed. Um, uh, the third episode of Next Generation, uh, episode three oh three, original air date October nine, nineteen eighty nine, written by Michael Wagner, directed by Les Landau. Data saves a planet. No, wait. Um, <laughs> I was like, don't this bullshit. That's not what happened. Oh no. Uh. Uh, on a remote planet where only two of the thousands have survived an alien attack, the survivors seem kindly, despite their refusals to be evacuated. But Deanna Troy begins to suffer horribly at the sound of their music box. Now, listen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, shit. It's this episode. I already know what's going to happen. Um, now, listen. Uh-huh. Um, I... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the big <laughs> twist at the end of this episode is that the woman died too. Yes. And the 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 I like that stuff. Like that stuff's cool. That's a Star Trek episode. You know, that's a of that's a. Somebody dies. That's well, Star Trek. Didn't Come we reference that? God, sort of out. You know, but in the in the last episode of Trek Off, didn't we just talk about this episode? Didn't we reference this as there are two people on a planet? Blah blah blah. You know, like that's like the problem is. That the the Deanna Troy here, like that. Like how is that miss? How do you miss that? Um, I like the mystery part, and I like the the way it works out at the end, and it's very Star Trek, and I dig it. Um, like I basically, I would rather have this fantasy that is almost alive than the reality that is not true. Like it's it's an interesting moral question, and and I get that, but. Fucking Deanna Troy, almost every time she senses something where she feels pain, just fucking gah. You know, like, yeah. this is why you and I decided when we did March Madness with... with no, the, we didn't decide. Who did you decide? Were you Esri? Yes. Is that, Esri was we you and I with Deanna? <laughs> um, Esri is poop. Uh, He's a big steaming pile of petite poo. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't mean for her to be so petite and poopy. Or patoopy. Patoopy. Um, all right. Next episode. But is, that's a good. That's a good episode, though. It's a great episode. It's 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 a good episode. Would that with, not be the season opener? Is that not? Is it too traditional? It's not. Know, the I, bam. I it's not. Like it's very Star Trek. Like it's there's different levels going on. You've got these people who miraculously have survived. We don't know why. And they can't stay there, though. Like, they're alone out there. And, like, they're older, so it's, like, conceivable that they're just like, no, like, this is our home and we're just going to stay. You know what I mean? Like, it's not so odd that they won't leave, necessarily. And then it becomes kind of odd, you know? I think the thing is is that there is no season premiere episode. I think that we get into what we now kind of would think of as your basic Star Trek episode. And, And you're right. It was episodic and it was formulaic and it was sort of like, we know how to do this now. Um, they're taking no chances, which stops at the end of the season, even partway through the season. Um, but I just feel like there's no, there are no stakes in these episodes, um, and it's bugging me. That being said, of the four episodes we will be at so far, this fourth one I'm about to reference is my favorite of the four, um, which is an episode title that feels like it belongs in the original series. 
um, episode 304, fourth episode of the third season, original air date October 16, 1989, written by Richard Manning, Hans Beimler, directed by Robert Weimer. Um, the name of the episode is Who Watches the Watchers? Doesn't that sound like an, ep- like an original it series does, episode yeah. name? Um, upon witnessing Federation technology, a primitive culture begins to venerate Picard as a god and plans to sacrifice Troy to him. Picard must violate the Prime Directive even further to demonstrate that he's only a person. Oh, right, uh, yeah. Oh, and you, you, who's always got to tell, who's always like, fucking Kirk, always violating the Prime Directive, not like Picard, what about this time? Sometimes well, you just have to violate the Prime Directive, dude, okay? Well, I mean, that's, but that's, I mean, that, what I like is the, like the moral quandary there, where he goes, okay, if I don't violate the Prime Directive further, they will believe I'm a deity. Yeah, like, so the, like I, the problem is the, 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 the damage is done, right? Yeah, do I, like, do I let them think that I'm a deity, or do I let them know that I'm an alien? Mm-hmm. Like, because like, I, I guess what I'm like, the thing is, I, I, I get the prom directive and I'm on board with it, but like once tampering has happened, be it by accident or like I like right now in um, I'm always you know rewatching the original series like at random. Um, I'm on the episode where uh, he goes back to a planet that he that Kirk went to as an ensign, like to study or whatever. And the Klingons, he suspects the Klingons are giving the village people weapons. YMCA! <laughs> anyway, Sorry. so like, they've already fucked with the... the, the, the they've, already contaminated. they've already contaminated the situation, right? And so when Kirk is like, we're going to give them weapons too, just to equal shit out, and it's that same... You know what I mean? Like, argument, because you've got Bones there being like, dude, you can't do that. Like, you can't they wouldn't have weapons. He's like, but they're already here. Like, the only way yeah. we can get shit back on track, this is the best thing we can do, right? Like, shit is fucked. Like, that part's done for. Now what's the best thing we can do to try to rectify it so that they can get back on track? And I think in this particular case, Picard is right. Like, letting them just believe that he's a god and go on with that is to their detriment. Like, because they were moving away from that sort of belief system, like that you know, entrenched, like I believe they were saying, like sort of the like the the religious beliefs that they had were shifting, and they were, you know, it wasn't that they weren't religious anymore, but they were, you know, more scientific, and they were kind of moving in that direction, and this would really kind of rewind them. Yeah, rewind them or fast forward them, one way or the other. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think one of the things I really, really like is um is when Picard explains to when they think he's a god, and he's like, listen. Uh, what do you use now to hunt? And they're like, they're like, well, we use this. And he goes, but before you, what did you use? And what they said this. Use? And he goes, yeah. wouldn't you think? That, like, what wouldn't would they, they have thought of... you were a god if they yeah. saw that? And it was, uh, and and it was, it was like this was of the episodes. This is the episode that had like really fascinated writing. So I'll give it that. So would you, um, would this not still make it as being you know the season opener? Like I don't not know that I'm gonna that? get. I don't know that I'm gonna get a season opener out of this. Uh-huh. Well, we'll uh, see. Uh, because, like, there's a lot of, like, again, it seems like they're finding the formula. Um, I will say, while there are no wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I think that last episode is uh, is um, is pretty strong. It's, I mean, it's, it's strong. It's, they're, it's they're very strong. Star Trek-y. It's, it's very, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? What's the right thing to do and the sort of, you know, moral dilemmas that they face. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really good. It's well written. Um, the next episode, episode 305, original air date, October 23rd, 1989, written by Ronald D. Moore. 
I was going to go on to DS9 and Battlestar Galactica, directed by Winrick Colby. The name of the episode is The Bonding. When an archaeologist dies on an away mission, leaving an orphan son for whom Worf feels responsible, the alien who caused her death creates an artificial image of the mother and their home for the boy. Um, this episode's fucked up. Um, <laughs> just like the little boy like, like is scared of Worf, and Worf doesn't know what to say, and suddenly like the mom is there. The dead yeah, mom is like mom's back. back. Like, how do you compete with that? Yeah. And, uh, and like it and it deals with stuff like I mean, it, Wesley gets a little bit something to do because it's kind of like, hey, you've lost, you know, a parent. Like, yeah. try to help this kid. And he's like, I don't fucking know what to say. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, what do you say? Like, there's nothing to say. Like, he's being stoic about it. Like, his mom was a, you know, was a Starfleet officer. Like, and he knew that that could happen. Like, but a kid, like, I mean, he's really young. Like, how much do you really understand? You well, know, and, that's, and, and that's then the when you've got this alien saying, "I can give this child what he's lost. I can give it back to him." And it's I've like, always had. I, have you ever like? I've always like sort of had an issue with kids on the Enterprise. Um, I've just always felt like, there, or like, yeah, I just felt like it was it was incredibly irresponsible for Starfleet to allow that. It's one thing to be on a space station where everyone's kind of supposed to be living anyway, but when you're on a ship that it's not just a ship of exploration, but you are on like the military flagship as well. It just seems but like... But they're not it, militaristic. That's just it. Like, it's yeah, not, but, but, it, it, yeah. primarily, it's a again, it's an it's an exploration vessel. That's what it is. Like, and they're living okay. their lives out on it, you know? But but it's a but it's a military structure, and, and, you know, and there is conflict. That, I mean, it seems like it would be like having a bunch of families on an aircraft carrier, right? Because our aircraft carriers have not been in combat where they've been in serious danger for years and years and years. But you wouldn't have families on there because shit could go could go wrong. But an aircraft carrier isn't around to go explore. That's not it's vessel. that's not what it's used for. Like I, think I know that's intrinsically the difference here, right? Like I think that the Enterprise is intrinsically an exploration vessel, and sometimes shit happens. Yeah, right? I guess. I mean, not I guess it's a military wagon. vessel, and sometimes they explore. If you, know? you think of it like wagon train, yes, you know, people brought their kids, blah, blah, blah. But I just, there's enough military that happens. And let's face it, this is the unluckiest fucking ship in the fleet. Well, there you is know, that, but like, there's just like every four episodes, the ship's about to get destroyed. If that wasn't um, true, why would we be watching the show? I mean, I love that when they get to the Enterprise E, they're just like, okay, fuck that. You know, they're just like, oh, that's done. We're not doing that anymore. They get to Voyager, there are no kids on there. They got to make kids to put them on there. Like, they're like, <laughs> Like there's no sense of you know there's no sense of hey let's have a bunch of kids running around this giant cruise ship of death it's just like not gonna happen. Well, in the one yeah. ship where it makes the most sense because frankly it's gonna be generations before they get home. I know. Like you know what I mean? They need the fucking kids. Um, Goodness gracious. But this I feel like this episode was the episode where it's like the, the you know sort of the moral is that a fantasy no matter how good it is, uh, it's better to live in reality, right? Like that's yeah. sort of the message that that Picard has to sell this kid on. You know what I mean? And the alien, for that matter. But it's like the inverse of the episode before. Like they are the two episodes before where the alien was like, "I want to have my wife," and like she's gone, but I like her better this way. Fake wife is better than no wife. You no, know? right. I'm still get, I'm still getting real laid. Ha ha ha! I'm old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> episode three oh six, sixth episode of the third season. Uh, air date originally. Well, you know, I think that. Though the difference between those two things is is extreme, right? Because you're talking about an old person or an old being at the end of their life, or a kid, 
who's just starting out. Yeah. You know what anyway. I mean? Anyway. Uh, da, 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 where was I? A teleplay by lots of writers, directed by Gabriel Beaumont. Um, the name of the episode is Booby Trap. The ship is caught in a trap which transforms the ship's energy into lethal forces, levels of radiation. So LaForge creates a holographic simulation of scientist Leah Brahms oh, to help them escape. <laughs> um, so Just when he falls in love with Leah, the first time. For the first time. We just saw, like, yeah, we just saw in season four, I guess it was maybe two episodes or something before this, the the weird fucking one that's not as good, like where Leah comes on the ship, like for realsies, but, right? But I, but I like that as a as a companion piece to this. I do too. Of, I totally do because you've got this in your pocket and you and you watched it not that long ago, but it was long enough ago that, like, you're sort of in the same place as, as LaForge would be, right? Where, like... You think he could let go of it and just be cool. And, like, he tries to. He's not trying to necessarily hook up with her, but, like, he still expects her to be who she is in the holodeck. And it's like, dude, dude, that was a holodeck program with, like, that extrapolated information and made a bunch of leaps, you know what I mean, to give you something more personable to work with. Like, that shit ain't real. I like her. She was evidently supposed to, uh, she she was, like, in the front running to play Janeway, evidently. Um, really? Yeah, uh, I really like her. I think that she's great. Um, I dig uh, her. She reminds me of somebody. I think she reminds me of. She shows Evie up Case, from time. I think. No. She shows up from time to time, and you're like, "Hey, there's Leah Brahms." Yeah, I like her. Um, I do. I like. I like her too. Um, she does a good and, job of being both the you know holodeck, you know, just personnel file representation, yeah, the, the and then like versus like the real person. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that. Really, this episode is not as strong on its own, but when paired with the other one, it's really a a, a, a real exploration of fantasy versus reality, and I like them as a pair. So, so good on them for for making this one better than it was before. Um, going, uh, I'm clicking, la la la. This is a fun podcast right now, or we just wait for stuff to come. Well, up I don't know what you're phone. doing over there, man. Okay, episode three oh seven. This is a great episode. Um, November 6, 1989. Episodes written by Michael Pillar, David Kemper, directed by David Carson. The Enemy. When Jordy is stranded on a planet plagued by storms with a hostile Romulan, the crew must contend with a warship seeking its missing crew members. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also, I think, the episode where Worf refuses to give his blood to the Romulan who's dying. I think... I think it that, might be. I think it's both because you have you have because what Worf does with the Romulan. To, there's them trying to survive down on the planet, right? And they can't communicate, and they kind of hate each other, and that's sort of it's the enemy mine episode. And then like, once they get back up to the ship, the yeah. only way to actually like full on save the guy is well, no, 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 it's it's parallel because they're on the planet, but then there's another Romulan. There's another on the one, ship. another Romulan up yeah. on the ship that made it back that they took yeah. with them. Yeah, and then okay, and yeah. then yeah, and then at the same time, Commander Tomalak, the one-armed man, um, is there because he was the one-armed man in the Fugitive, um, is uh, is there like threatening, uh, and like there's like yeah, like what the conflict. fuck are you doing on this planet yeah. and yada yada. Great, this, this would have been a good season premiere. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, it's tense. It's got the Romulans who factored into the end of season one. Um, you haven't really seen a whole bunch from them since then. Uh, it's there's not a ton of action, but it's it's there's a but lot of taught. tension. It's very suspenseful. And yeah, and there's and there's you know repercussions for the character of Worf, and and he makes a bad decision, a totally not Starfleet decision. You think he's going to come through, and he doesn't. Yeah, he fails. He fails that test. Um, and I love that because it makes him you know he's Klingon, but it makes him more human. You know, it makes right. him like I mean, it he, makes he's him real. a person. You know what I mean? Um, like he's fallible. Like and anything, yet, underneath anyone. it all, there's this whole like like message of understanding happening at the same time. I, it's just a great. This yeah, it is, shows you both sides of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I like this one. This is my season premiere because it's the first one that I think would be big enough and yet still hits all the philosophical notes. This is the one I would say. Okay. So uh, a so plus seven episode. episodes in is actually the one that you're like that's gonna be the opener. That maybe they were gonna make the open. They're like, "Fuck, that's too cool." <laughs> Let's save that. <laughs> um. Uh. Do do do. Okay. Well, here's they followed up that great episode with an episode that's kind of shitty. Um. This is uh, episode three zero eight. Uh. Third eight eighth episode of season three. Original air date November thirteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Written by Hannah Louise Shearer. Directed by Robert Shearer. Um. Uh, when a group of delegates, blah, 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 Deanna falls in love with another Beta Z. <laughs> um, oh, uh, is this the one with the, with the like, really shysty Beta Z guy? Yeah. Who's, like, or he's this, not a Beta Z. He's, he's, yeah. he's not actually, but he, but he, but he's half like she is. And, yeah. like, uses that shit, but doesn't, but nobody knows that he's using it. Like, he's negotiating yeah. shit. And he's, yeah, so he's kind of shysty. Boring. The only thing about it that's interesting is it, it's these Ferengi that get trapped in the wormhole end up in the Delta Quadrant and show up on Voyager. So that's the only part that's. Here's the thing. Like you know what I don't like. Like this could be interesting for you. So I don't love this episode, and it's not because of the content of the episode. It's because of the dude. Like I cannot fucking stand this fucking guy. Like, and I, I don't I, know why she's attracted to him. Like, I'm never sold on that. Like, he's kind of a fucking used car salesman kind of guy yeah. who's all, like, arrogant. And, like, I don't understand why she digs him. Like, why but, but, but also, but, but also really good-looking in kind of a corporate good-looking kind of way. Yeah, I don't but, think he's good-looking. Like, he's not attractive to me. Like, I, I not, see how he's, he's not, not, like, I see he's how he's, you know, symmetrical he's like, and... Sure, yeah, he's like, but he's like he's like the he's like the the best looking junior vice president at the firm. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's I not got, like yeah. There is something very third string about him. Like I don't know what it is, but I just don't. I just yeah. I'm not into him. I don't find him attractive. And it, certainly for me, there's that. You know, I want Deanna to be with you know Riker always because that's how I am. But like that aside, like I just didn't see his allure, and he's yeah. just annoying. So it's like I don't. Although I do get, like, I do like, there's stuff I like about it. I like the moral implications. Like, is it okay for you to use something that you have as an advantage? It's an inborn advantage. Yeah, but, and, like, and no one knows you're doing it, though. You and know he's like, I mean? and, and he's like, don't you ever help your captain? And she's like, no. All I ever do is say the obvious thing that everybody else can get just by <laughs> looking know. at the screen. Clearly. <laughs> I clearly, just say I, when someone's lying, when it's obvious that they're lying. Or yes. that something bad is going to happen when it's obvious that something bad is about to happen. Like Clearly because my captain is competent and knows what he's doing, he makes no different decisions based on anything that I've said. So, no, you're wrong. So, you're wrong. <laughs> Go back to the 10th floor, male boy. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, I only like this episode because when you get the Ferengi episode in Voyager, you're like, ha, ah, those are the guys from that other episode. 
So that's the only reason that I like that this episode exists. Otherwise, I would delete it and never watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, ninth episode of season three, episode 309, original air date, November 20th, 1989, written by Sam Rolfe and directed by Timothy Bond. The name of the episode is The Vengeance Factor. An ancient assassin plagues the crew's attempt to stop a violent dispute between warring aliens. Let's take it a step further. It's Utah of the Clan Trelesta, played by Lisa Wilcox from Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5. Um, uh, do you remember this one at all? You think you're going to have to refresh my memory? You all said right, so a lot of words just now. So basically, the, basically there, are, there are these two clans. There are these two clans, and they used to be at war with each other a really, really long time ago. And then all the members of this other clan just start, like, like people who are ancestrally part of this other clan, they start dying off. And you find out that Lisa Wilcox, who was Alice in Nightmare 4 and 5, you find out that she has been like genetically modified to stay alive forever and ever and ever and ever so she can end up killing everybody. And at the end, she falls in love with Riker, and Riker teaches her like how to cook, but he uses a replicator, and evidently that's how you cook in the future. He's like, I know how to make shit. Look. <laughs> um, and, and, and he's all nice to her, and she's like, no, you're nice to me. And then at the end, he like has to phase her, phase her, phase her, and then turns up the phaser all the way and vaporizes her at the end. Um, uh, it's a great episode, or at least I think it's great, because I love Lisa Wilcox. I think that's what's clouding you here. Um, I don't know that it's actually a great episode. It's, it's a good episode. At the very least, it's a good episode. I like her. I always did like her. I had a crush on her in Nightmare 5, and I always thought she was like she could convey sort of a gravitas to what she did. Um, I dig Lisa Wilcox, and uh, I have to say, of the names that I like to drop, I like to drop that I have met and, and occasionally Facebook chat with uh, Lisa Wilcox. Um, she is she is cool. Um, she's so personable. She's so good to her fans. Um, so Lisa Wilcox is awesome. And if you're listening to this and you're friends with Lisa Wilcox, send her a copy of the trailer and said that guy he met you a few years ago at a convention he awesome. and he thinks you're awesome and he said so in a public forum. And she'll go, <laughs> she'll go thanks and we'll be besties forever and she'll come over and have tea and coffee. <laughs> we'll have It'll tea be awesome. And Tea and crumpets. It'll be awesome. Uh, my wife won't think that's weird at all. Um, <laughs> She'll think it's awesome because she probably loves her too, right? Yeah, everybody loves Alice. Didn't you love Alice in Nightmare 4 and 5? She was the dream master, man. She like started doing nunchucks and then I ripped that scene off for Ninjas vs. Vampires. Like, <laughs> like, like, totally. Like, my favorites are all the ones that, uh, like, I'm, she, she's fine. I'm not saying anything negative about her, but, like, I always... You You're know, a Nancy fan. I'm a Nancy fan. Yeah, I, yeah. Ones I like. I like. I didn't like Tina. I really liked her. So, so or not Tina. Um, what was her name? Uh, Patricia Arquette's character. Um, you don't like Patricia Arquette? I. I what's her name? She's not Nancy. She's Tina. Is that a I don't remember. One. I can't I, believe her. Kristen. Kristen. I didn't like Kristen. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Really off track. Uh, good job, Lisa Bilkax. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, here is a fucking great episode. First episode of Star Trek of the 90s. Original air date, New Year's Day, 1990. Ooh. Written by Ron, Ronald D. Moore, directed by Robert Shearer. The name of the episode is The Defector. A high-ranking Romulan defector bent on preserving peace between his empire and the Federation leads the crew into a showdown which could trigger a war. This is great. This is a damn fine episode. Um, and And the reveal at the end... Oh my god! That's just that says so much about Romulans. That that 
that they were feeding him all this stuff to go, how to far did he find out if he you? was loyal. Would like, you defect if you, you found this out? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, how twisted is that? Like, that just says so much about Romulus. So, so what happens at the end of the episode, spoiler alert, what happens at the end of the episode is that they, um, they, they find out that, that there was, like, he, the, this guy that goes. he was actually defecting. Yeah, this this Romulan, this Romulan is like, I've heard that there's this big like buildup of troops, and because of this big buildup of troops, um, there's going to be a war, and so I'm defecting to tell you that there's going to be this war, um, so that the war doesn't happen. And then at the, at the end, there was no buildup of troops; it was all a ruse by the Romulans to see if he was actually loyal. Um, absurdly good episode, um, and a great performance. Yeah, especially uh, since you you spend the whole episode. Like wonder, like along with the, you know Picard and everyone, like trying to figure out, like is this guy on the level? Like, cause Romulans are tricksy. So like, is he on the level? Is this for real? Like, what's and you think about all that he would be giving up. You know what I mean? It's huge because he's got like family. He's got you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's ultimately why he's doing it. And like, once you finally believe that it's you know the truth, you find out it's all bullshit because they're just trying to check in on him. Like, it's so. No, I I. It always, in retrospect, bothers me that Picard was really shitty to him the whole time. Because Picard was just shitty to him. Because he, he didn't want to give all the secrets. But I'll never forget when Picard's like, You've made your choices, sir! Like He's like, You're, you're, you're a traitor! You've made your choices! Tell me all your shit! And he's like, I don't want to tell you all my shit, I just want to tell you some shit. And he's like, Well, you got to tell me all your shit! Um, and he was just kind of shitty to him. And then after he committed suicide, Picard was like, Well, he wasn't such a bad guy. He was, you know, oh, I, I don't know. Little. No, at the end, they're really they're like he was. I just I don't know that he was as shitty as you seem to think he was. Like I didn't, I, always, I never felt like he was just beating the guy up like to be shitty. I only always, in retrospect, when you know that the guy is being betrayed and is going to kill himself at the end, while you're watching it, you're like, that's a little harsh, man. Yeah, seriously, cut some slack. He's like trying to help you. Um, okay. Oh, and this is great too. Um, now we're getting into uh, now we're getting into the stuff. Yeah. Uh, episode three eleven, January eighth, nineteen ninety. Um, the episode is written by Robin Bernheim, directed by Cliff Bull. Um, this is about a soldier who has been medically altered to be the perfect killer. Killer. He threatens the Enterprise when the crew debates the ethics of his creation and what responsibility they have to try to help him. Um, this is. Uh, pretty awesome because it gets into the whole idea of of it's really about PTSD isn't it i mean isn't that really well, yeah what, i feel like that's really the analog there yeah i mean that 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 what do we do and and it's a, it's something that they hit um in other times but like what do we do with the soldiers when they come home you know you know what i mean Cromwell, yes um I believe so. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, so he's the one talking. on the planet, like he's the the head of the planet or whatever, and they, you know, had basically had this prison colony, and it's pretty much where they sent all of these soldiers that they had um, modified to be better soldiers, and like they're like, yeah, this but, is, but this they're is doing awesome. it, yeah, but they're doing it for their good, right? And it's like it's not for their fucking good. It's for your good. Like you ascertained that the cost of trying to fix them and, and that may not actually be successful was more than just setting them up on this moon and saying, hey, why don't you guys go live out there since you're kind of fucked up now? 
Now, I got to admit, like, there, there are times, and I don't and know we why. Might need you again, that was the worst part. Yeah, like, and we might need you again. So now, is this the one? That. Is this the one where the guy is able to escape from the transporter? Yes. Or like, is like, like, yeah, he doesn't have like life signals or whatever. Like, he can't be tracked. Like, that's and one. He's of the like, woo, in the beam, and then he explodes, and they're like, he's dead. But no, somehow he got yep. transported somewhere else that was totally safe. Yeah. Um. Uh. Weird, and yes, it yeah. is the one with James Cromwell. Yeah, so um, he's like ultra powerful. This this yeah. one guy, and he basically is just like, I just want to live my life, like but not this, but, imprisoned for doing my duty for like. And they didn't even tell them. It's not like they're like, oh, by the way, we're gonna do all this shit to you that we can't undo, and like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's really fucking twisted. Like, and no. it's definitely a good discussion piece. You know what I mean? That 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 spurns conversations, like good Star Trek conversations. Well, I think the other thing about this uh, about this particular episode is one, you know, it does say what happens when you create the perfect soldier and then the perfect soldier has to come home. I mean, that is that's the the bottom line of the episode. But yet the guy, the way that the guy plays it so smooth, sometimes he reminds me of the outrageous Okuna um, from from yeah. way early in the series. And then I get this episode, and that's why I had to go look it up. So confused with the very next episode, which is what we're about to talk about, which is episode three twelve. 12th episode, season 3, original air date, January 29th, 1990, The High Ground. Uh, Crusher is abducted by a group of rebels who are desperate to demonstrate their mm. suffering to Starfleet before it assists the opposite side in their civil war. Now, I get the guy from the last episode confused with the guy who abducts Crusher. I don't. You know why? Because the guy what? who abducts Crusher is so certain. Like, he's all passive-aggressive-y. Right, like that's sort of the way I view him. Like when he's, you I know, guess the tone of the episodes that. are so similar, though. Like it could they very are. well be that these people were the soldiers that uh, then. Uh, and at I the feel end, like they're talking about two different things. I feel like the 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 question in the one sure. with the soldiers is not even so much like it's these people, right, are asking for the Enterprise to help them with these with this revolt of their soldiers, right? Like, they have created a problem. Like, they built these soldiers, and then they didn't know what to do with them, and it was too costly to try to fix them or help them, so they were like, we'll just set you up here, and we'll, we'll give you a really nice place. Like, they don't put them in a horrible prison, but it's a prison nonetheless. But and I feel like... I feel they like finally the, get out, and they're like, please, you can't leave us. We don't have the weapons to deal with this. That's why we made them. And basically, Picard just gets to go, listen, man, yeah, but isn't that kind of how this episode, like, the, the, high ground, the high ground kind of ends the same way, where with the Enterprise kind of moralizing yet again and going, listen, no, no, you guys are shitty, deal with your shit. But in, this, but, in, but in the one with Crusher, I feel like they, the perception at least, is that they are coming, like they are on a side, sure. right? They're, the people who capture Crusher are, are rebels. They are quote-unquote bad guys. Right, like they are not the establishment, and they're the bad guys with an amazing transporter effect. How cool is that fucking effect, by the way? <laughs> like the little sideways light that they step through, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. awesome even today. Um, are these the proto Bajorans? I don't know why. Why would? Well, they I mean, I mean. Does this not take the side of the terrorist and go? It does a Listen. little bit. I think it does. It's it's the beginning of that. Like I think it gives you insight. Like because there are no because, Bajorans yet. We haven't met any Bajorans. Right. So. But like Crusher gets to see the other side of things, and and she's like, I don't condone what you're doing though. Like how you're going about this. Like there's a there's another way. 
But the guy, and, but, but the guy makes this point where he goes, "There is another way. What the fuck are we supposed to do? Yeah, this is all we can do. Like we don't have an option. It's the only option we have." Um, two good episodes in a row. I feel like they hit some of the same notes, if not the same philosophy notes, but sort of the same tonal notes. And that's okay. I'll watch those notes. Um, yeah. Like, if I they mean, they're, the, both, they're both spark conversation. You know what I mean? Like, in in slightly different ways. If they blend together, they blend into something very nice. A good one-two punch would be it would be a great double feature for Trek. So I'm like, absolutely dig that episode, but not as much as the one coming up. Uh, episode three thirteen. Air date February 5th, 1990. Written by Richard Danos, directed by Les Landau. Deja Q. Q <laughs> appears again in trouble with the continuum and minus his powers, but a selfless act on his part wins them back for him. God, this what? is the best. Fu- this is the best Q line in the world. Like, it's not Q's line, but it's when he's like, "What do I have to do to convince you?" Die. Die. Oh, there's like, too many. Oh my God! This the whole the like Q, ever. The whole the whole Q not having powers. This is getting on my nerves. Now that I have them, it's I know. like it's so great in so many ways. And fucking Worf nails that shit. He's just like so deadpan. And Duh. when he and when he describes going to sleep, when he was like, I got. Oh, I know. I lost consciousness. Happened to me. I, I, I started to get too weak and fatigued, and then, and then, and then I lost consciousness. And, and then you fell asleep. <laughs> and then when Data leads him around, and like, like he learns to eat, and he has the chocolate sundaes, and and Guinan stabs him in the hand, and um, it's just a great Data episode. It's a great. It's maybe my favorite Q episode outside of the one where the you meet the Borg, but that's not really a Q episode. Like he's in it, but it's not just about him. This might be my favorite Q episode. I think this might be my favorite Q episode too. He's just—he's so vulnerable, and the, and it has Corbin Burnson at the end. Hello, which is yeah. great. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" Well, hold like, on. My favorite Q episode is All Good Things. This is the final episode of Next Gen, but that's because that might be the best episode of Next Gen. So, oh. so, but as my favorite, this just is my ab- favorite Q being Q is all. Yeah, I'm this is this is the perfect blend. He's not too silly, but he's silly enough. Um, and he's and he's and he shows that he's got some heart. Like he ultimately tries to sacrifice himself at the end to save and everyone. It's amazing. And when he goes, I'm back, and there's the Mark Mariachi band. Oh, I know, right? It's just it's like gives it, the women the women around everybody, and like it's just just fun. It's a fun episode. It's um, fun, and it's and it's there's there's still it's heart. not just fun, right? Like there's also like what do we do? Right, like he's he had to know, like he he was smart in his decision. He could have chose anything, and he chose them because he knew they would probably protect him. And like yeah. you've got people on the ship who are like, "What do we do?" And you've got people on the ship, you know, like Worf, who are like, "Fucking let him have him then." Fuck that guy, you know. Like it's such a great episode because it's fun and it and it you know makes you explore moral issues. But it doesn't end there because the next episode is another one of my favorite Next Gen episodes. It just is this a good season. See, well, see, it took a little while to get going for it you. It got man. strong. Um, <laughs> uh, episode 314, original air date, February 12, 1990, uh, written by Ed Zuckerman, directed by Cliff Bold. The name of the episode is A Matter of Perspective. When Riker is accused of murdering a scientist who claimed oh. the first officer had made a pass at his wife, Picard uses the holodeck to determine his in- innocence. I... I Love, love this episode. This, this is great. This I is just, love it because it's what? like it's the quintessential, like just showing you how everybody has their own perspective. Like you literally get to watch the same actors act out the same scenario 
with like this is a great acting exercise. Yeah, with right? different intentions. Sometimes the same lines. Yes, exactly the same lines, but the subtext and the intent is totally different. It's like, see, see, that's acting. That's what yeah. it looks like. It's really great. <laughs> it's really a fun episode. I love courtroom. Well, one, I love courtroom episodes of of Star Trek. I really do. I really dig. Um, I, you know, it's when they funny. Pull I, out, they're usually well done. Now, here's the thing. I've never watched an episode of Law and Order, and I can't believe I haven't because, like, you would think I would want to because almost any time I see a courtroom drama of any kind, I like it. I love courtroom dramas. Not when they involve me. Um, <laughs> Naturally. Um, but I love, I love, you know, A Few Good Men, and I, lo- I just love everything where it ends up in a court and people are like, you can't handle the truth. You know, I... I I, I love it. I love all of that. I love all the John Grisham movies. I think they're fun and fun and fun. And this is a great way to use the holodeck and the different perspectives and the acting exercise that it is. It is, it is just fun to do it that and way. Because for you it, to wonder what the fuck is really so, going on, because like we know Riker, like we know there's no. Okay, so like, so you watch her perspective or whatever. You're like, this is like I, I don't know. If, I don't know about you, but me and Mr. Air are like. Psh, he did. Oh my God! Last well, okay, okay, so for those for those who haven't seen the episode, essentially what they do is when Rikers accused, they all sit on the holodeck and they watch the same events play out over and over and over again. Like basically, they each like each person involved does a deposition. The testimony. Yeah, what they do is they've all programmed in their testimony into the holodeck, and, and the, the holodeck, holodeck plays out their points of view, and the real truth is somewhere in between. In between all of that. Um, it is. Uh, it is. A really fun episode, um, not as good as the one before, um, and absolutely not as good as the one ap- the the one after. Um, so okay. as good as it is, here is what some people call the best episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I disagree, but some people say this is the best. Episode three fifteen, original air date February f- February nineteenth, nineteen ninety. Teleplay by Era Stephen Bear. Richard Manning, Hans Beimler, and Ronald D. Moore, directed by David Carson. The name of the episode is Yesterday's Enterprise. But you're going to have to wait till next time to hear it. I'm sorry, got to cut it right there. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Trek Off. I promise you the second half of this is even better than the first. Tune in next time to hear the second half of Season 3 of The Next Generation. For Alexia, my name is Justin, and I always say, Trek Off, nice people. So you just finished the episode and you're like, hey, that was fun. I'd like more Trek off to put in my ear hole, to put into my brain part. Well, that's really easy. All you got to do is go to trekoffpodcast.com. There's over 100 hours of Trek off. It's free. Just go there, trekoffpodcast.com or search iTunes or whatever pod feed you use or trekoffpodcast.com. That's really easy. You can also like us on Facebook where you'll hear information about everything that we do. Like us there, especially hearing about trekoffmovie.com. That's our movie. We're making a movie based on this. The trailer's there. Links are there. TrekOffMovie.com, TrekOffPodcast.com. Thank you for listening and Trek Off.